and we are back right here again with another installment of the number one rated business show right here on the real 1100 am i'm your host kevin c pride and I got a jam-packed show, a jam-packed studio. Y'all just ain't ready. They didn't let me off for a couple weeks. I don't know how to act. They wouldn't let me in the studio. The power was off last week. I'm depressed. I don't get to talk to my, my beautiful audience. But that's all right. We are back. And we are good to go. Uh, rest in peace, John Lewis and C.T. Vivian. We are so sad to lose our civil rights icons. Uh, and we are our hearts go out to the family. And we are... Definitely, definitely keeping you guys in our prayers. Today is all about the money. Today is about getting the bag, as the young folks say. Today is about getting your finances right, getting your money right. I got uh, an expert in finance, Miss Stan Kemp. She's an author. She's a tax professional. She's an accounting professional. I also got Javaris Banks uh, from the fin- my financial guru that's over here tearing stuff down. That's all right. That's all right. We're going to try to stay focused on what we're doing, though. And then I got Miss Zan Maxie in the house with me today. She is our entrepreneur talking about getting that money. So getting started, how are we doing today, Miss Stan Kemp? I am wonderful, fabulous. Thank you for having me here today. Oh, not a problem. Thank you so much for joining us. So give us a little bit uh, uh, about your background and about your business and tell us a little bit about what you do. All right. So I have been in the financial accounting industry for over 25 years, CPA. Um, I have worked from uh, corporate Fortune 500s. I have worked in small businesses. I've started small businesses. I have coached small businesses. You name it, I have done it. And um, I have just have a plethora of experience working with small businesses, helping them not only raise and increase revenue, but to increase their business operations so that they can also uh, reduce their manpower and uh, also their uh, bottom line expenses and increase their, their net income. So that's my focus, making sure they understand the literacy pieces of their financial reporting and, you know, they're growing. They're growing. And you're also the host of the Let's Get It podcast. That's right. That's right. Let's get it. See, yes. I, don't, I don't normally give, it, I don't normally give everybody shout out when they're doing another show now. That's right. That's right. The Let's Get It podcast where we are closing financial gaps one million at a time because that is our focus. We have to get these small businesses on the rise, especially with this pandemic going. Okay. There's a lot of struggling businesses, yes. Now, now tell me right now because, uh, I mean, so many small businesses and so many people out there and we're starting to see where you're about to see the end of the government propping up our economy. Yeah. So now we fix and really see where we're at. So tell me some of the things that you're advising businesses on right now as far as their finances and what they need to be doing. Because I know with me personally, there is so much uncertainty out there. And business owners, a lot of them are scared to advertise. They're scared to do a little bit more. They don't know what what tomorrow is going to look like. So what are you kind of advising small businesses on right now? To actually do the exact the opposite of that. They definitely need to get out there and brand and market. But they also have to be creative. I mean, okay. there's a new norm, as they're saying. And so in doing that, brick and mortars, are you, as you see, you see so many closed businesses, shops are closing up. And so there, you just have to be creative and understand your market, understand your niche, and definitely make sure you are giving yourself multiple streams of income. Because as one layer is closed, you can have multiple options available to you if you can continue to be creative with your, your business internally. Definitely looking at your pricing models, making sure you're competitive, know your market, know your competitors. You have to know your industry inside and out. That is key. So this is a perfect time to really learn all that your business and your industry does. Wow. Now, Zan, 
you you have been an entrepreneur for quite some time. Everybody on the Instagram, everybody playing on their phone. I can't get them on the radio with you. That's all right. But you're an entrepreneur. You've been out here. You've been uh, you know working on your own for for quite a bit. How do you see things right now as far as COVID is going? How's it going for you? I would say that it's actually going. I would say that it's actually going a lot better than what I expected. You know, when it first kind of started off. Okay. And I think it's because, I mean, the niche that I'm in, of course, is the marketing. So everything is really transferring online even more now, especially when everyone was at home, you know, remotely working and other things. Okay. It was just like a rush of everybody just figuring out what they need, especially for their business in the digital space. And it's like, you know, I'm going to take advantage of this moment right now. So business for me especially picked up. I got you. Now, you're also an investor. I know you don't tell everybody. I don't know if I'm supposed to be telling <laughs> folks that. <laughs> but how, how's the investment game going for you right now? That's going really good, too. Um, I do invest in stocks, so I've been buying more stocks, of course, because everything has been going up. So stocks have been doing really good. Um, I'm actually closing in on my first investment property next week in wow. Alabama, so I'm really excited about that. It's a little... Fix and flip my first one. So <laughs> <laughs> hopefully they'll thank you so much. Hopefully it'll there'll be many more. But the market is going really good now for homes and stuff as well. It's kind of like a, it's. I mean, it's hard to get something good, but okay. if you can get something good, it's worth it. Yeah. Okay. Now I know one of the biggest things, uh, especially right now, because uh, and and uh, we were just having this conversation. You know, with so many of these companies now wanting to invest in black businesses. Yeah. You know. Uh, here recently or here traditionally, it's been very hard for black businesses to get traditional financing. Like banks don't want to invest in certain in, in certain areas. They don't want to invest in certain business models and this type of stuff. What are you telling people, uh, Stan, as far as, like, where do we get the money from? Okay, so there are t- several grants out there. So okay. first and foremost, grants. Um, I would always say before you go out and, and, and immediately run to banks for financing and lending, okay, explore grants, explore silent partners, investors, because with loans, what happens is when you're a small business, if you are not really understanding the financial bottom line and the cost of capital, then what you'll do is you'll later put your business in distress because you're not technically prepared to absorb that new funding and that new financing. So the money looks great when you get it, but then when it's time to pay that cost on debt, that's the thing that can kill a lot of businesses wow. because they're not prepared to pay for that cost on debt. And they don't even understand the terms of their debt. And that also puts them in the bind. So the first thing first I would say is definitely reach out, do your research. If this is your investment, take the time to go and research your business and research the grants available because there are thousands of grants that go unused and untouched because people do not tap into them. Then the other option is to definitely go out and seek capital. Like you said, there are investors out there looking for small businesses. And unfortunately, although banks say that they want to invest in small black businesses and women-owned businesses, the, the the percentage on how much funding is actually given out to these businesses are very, very small and minimal compared to the white-owned businesses and the male-dominated businesses. And that's just the reality of the stats. Now, what are you telling people about debt? Because a lot of folks, it, it's such mixed opinions out there when you, when you start talking about debt, debt servicing and all this type of stuff. Uh, one of the biggest things that I keep hearing is not all debt is bad debt. Uh, and how much debt can you actually manage in your business? What do you What do you tell other businesses when it, when you start talking about the the whole debt concept? Well, first and foremost, this country is built on debt. I mean, look at us now; we're giving money out left and right, like it's a, a money tree in the backyard somewhere. But the reality of it is, yes, debt is definitely a good thing when it's properly used. So again, understanding your terms, understanding the leverage. Debt is leverage; it can provide okay. leverage and buying power. 
But it also takes capital, which means it's not a wise idea to go in debt broke. Because how are you going to repay that debt? There's a cost to that debt. So you have to make sure you have the proper leverage, you have ca proper capital assets to be able to balance out the balance sheet and make sure that your debt doesn't uh, outweigh your assets that you have on the books. But debt is definitely a great thing when you're properly positioned to absorb that new debt. Wow. Now, what are what are some reasons that a business should go into debt? Uh, is right now a good time to be... All right, let me go ahead and get this loan this loan for a hundred thousand or whatever. Is now the best time to be doing that, or should we be waiting to, to see what's going to actually happen with everything that's going on? Well, regarding uh, COVID, with COVID or not, anytime you're considering new debt, the first and foremost is why the debt? What what are we doing with this? And then you also want to look at your potential return. No different than if I invest a hundred thousand dollars into a business. Well, I'm investing my capital, and of course, when I do this, I'm expecting a proper return, and I've let I've I've milestone out when and how I'm going to see that return. Is it going to take me one year? When would I break even? All of these components are factored into your decision and when you shell out that 100000 of your own cap. Excuse me, capital. Well, debt is, is thought of the same way. If I'm going to take out a new loan to do something, then the first thing is, what am I doing with that? And how is that going to increase the revenue potential for my business? Is no such thing as incurring debt just because you feel like you need to pay uh, just frivolous bills. You are doing that to either A, increase marketing and branding, or uh, if it's more manpower. But again, that expense line has to convert into revenue at some time, and that has to be managed when that revenue can be expected. If I'm saying, okay, I'm going to do marketing and branding, I expect to increase my customer base by an additional 10% over a period of 6 to 12 months. All of that is factored into clearly defined in your financials as well as and your decision-making to know how much debt to incur as well as when you, want to, um, when you want to actually take out that debt because it might not be now. If you're not prepared to, to do the legwork and the footwork when that money comes in-house, then you're not prepared to take that debt. And you definitely want to make sure that you can afford the cost of that debt. And I stress that so much because that is the one piece. They want to know, hey, can I get $100,000? And they're just happy to see that money. Because, again, small business owners, especially your black-owned and your women-owned, they're told no so many times. Anytime they have an opportunity to see some money, they're like, oh, somebody's going to give me a loan? I'll take it. And they did not look at the term. They don't understand can they afford it. And they do, they definitely did not consider if the timing is right. You know, it, it, it's funny because a lot of times I think uh, we, we kind of had that opinion. You know how you go to the to the auto dealer and then they approve you for the loan for the car. You're like, oh my God, they gonna give me <laughs> yeah. the car. But you ain't thinking about it, I gotta pay sixteen percent on this interest on That's this right. loan. That's and the right. fact that these banks ain't doing years. you no favor. They, they <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, also joining us from the Legacy Think Tank, Mr. Javaris Banks. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing? Pretty good. Now, Javaris has a little bit different take. Uh, his is more about building legacy and financial freedom for families. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh man, it's uh, it's great to hear hear you all speak and, and hear wise words come come from someone else. It's it's hard to find <laughs> it. Um, yeah, man, we really feel like uh, many people. Uh, you know, our motto is kind of black assets over white liabilities, and, wow. and you know, and the reason why we take this approach is that you know, you, you you're taught in America, you got to take on student loan debt to get a good job. You know, that's that's a liability. Um, you're taught that you need to get a house. Yeah, like you said, that's a big liability. Big one. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, a half of me, a two hundred, a three hundred thousand dollar house at five point two five percent interest is a five hundred and ninety six thousand dollar house over wow. thirty years. You know, so 
what is the actual cost of the debt, uh, much less is it costing um, um, you a lot in the business side, but is it costing you personally? So it's it kind of goes hand in hand. We're ready to take we're ready to take out these big chunks from my personal feel good. I want to drive this car. I want to have this house. But the average millionaire owns a house that's you know. $300,000. So are you a millionaire? You know what I mean? Like, why are you even looking at that? You work at Walmart. <laughs> no, I get you. Now, one one big thing that we're hearing, because it is tax time and a lot of us just got finished paying taxes, uh, I had to pay. I, I'm, I'm kind of happy about it this year. Congratulations. I had to pay, but I didn't want to pay. But uh, one big thing is uh, rich people don't pay taxes. Now, I think it's a huge misconception because all these politicians, they always come in, well, we're going to get more money from the rich and we're going to get more of them to pay taxes and this type of stuff. But the policies they put in place, it really only affects people that pay income taxes. So can you speak on why rich people really don't pay taxes and what that really means when folks talk about that? I think the first thing is let's talk about the misconception of that. Rich people do pay taxes. It's just that they're rich and so they don't pay. So let's say, for example, you make uh, $50,000. And you have zero taxes come out. So now you have a $7,000 tax bill at the end of the year. And now okay. you're fussing, well, the rich people don't pay taxes. Yes, they do. But they also are structured to pay their taxes a different way. And they have credits, incentives. There's things going on. Keep in mind that rich business technically have job opportunities and things of that nature that allows you to be able to have, a tax, unfortunately, a tax liability, but a, a job and an income. Now okay. it's your job to manage your taxes accordingly. So what I stress to, to, to the individual is don't focus that the rich man don't pay taxes because they do. They just know how to minimize their tax exposure by doing a very, a, a, an array of different things that we try to educate our smaller individuals to do. But they fail to do so because they want to bank their money now and have zero taxes and don't take the responsibility of paying quarterly if they're going to do that so that way or have a business on the side or open up a new business or do different things that will allow them to reduce their tax exposure. They don't do any of these things, but then they cry that they have a $7,000 tax liability at the end of the year. So there's things that individuals can do to minimize their tax exposure, just the same as businesses do. Businesses' focus is to have profits, period. They hire people, intelligent people, to do what? Make their bottom line grow. So if that means reduce my liability, I'm going to have a CFO, a CPA, an accountant, or whomever make sure that we have the proper and we're taking advantage of the credits that are offered. Half of us don't even know what's offered, nor do we care to pay attention to the educational literacies that are available to us. Wow. Now, now, what's what's that? <laughs> I don't know if you can follow that or not. <laughs> Before you leave, <laughs> but uh, what what do you tell families when it comes to when you start talking about tax time? Because I know you guys come from a, a big tax background. Uh, absolutely, uh, over a decade of helping people with their taxes. Uh, we have a staff of CPAs and EAs on staff with us. Um, so uh, when I look at it, I say is a if you plan on buying something and borrowing some money, it, it plan to pay some taxes. I mean. Uh, you're not going to be able to write off everything and still get approved for that house you you probably couldn't afford in the first place. But, um, you know, I would say that, uh, like she said, it's about planning. Um, you know, uh, one of the biggest mistakes I see business owners when they get started, they don't understand that starting that business and counting that money from day one, not before, not until you're profitable. Most
most people wait till they're profitable to call this lady or call us, right? right. I ain't gonna lie, I made that mistake. You know, it's like, oh, I'm gonna wait. me out. That's all right. You know, I'm gonna wait till I make some money. No, no, you started spending money. Uh, don't live, leave a tip for the IRS. Stop leaving money on the table. Count every penny. We get emails all the time that say uh, you overpaying taxes simply because you will not, you know, steward your money and, and, and account for it. Pay attention to it. So, um, you know, I, I can't I can't say anything. She's wrong about anything over there. Now, let me talk to my entrepreneur expert today. Oh, Lord. Look at you paid your taxes. <laughs> no, I need one of these wonderful people. Yeah, I need I need some contact information because this must be perfect because I definitely need to do my due diligence as well. I'm like Kevin because I haven't been in business for too long. I think about three years. Okay. So I'm just getting to that mark of just being more responsible in that business aspect. I can admit, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I'm definitely gonna need. We got you. We got you. Now, now, one big question I will ask you: uh, being an entrepreneur, you say you're just getting started about three years or so. Yeah. What has been one of the biggest one of the biggest issues or one of the biggest problems for you trying to actually start a business? Um. Has it been finance? Has it been uh, access to actual capital? Yeah, I can definitely say access to capital as well as just strategizing and scaling. Scaling would probably be one of the hardest things, especially what I do. I mean, you would know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well. So just finding good, reliable people has been a challenge for me. Now, now, when we start talking about debt and, and, and borrowing money, just like she said, scaling has been, I think, one of the biggest issues, especially when it comes to black businesses. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have a, a huge problem trying to scale those businesses and go from, you know, 100000 to 500000 and, and bigger numbers like that. Is that the time that we need to start looking at banks or? Okay. So, again, I'm going to say yes, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let me start with the no. The no part is just because you are ready to scale doesn't mean you're financially ready to scale. So there are other options for you to do to scale your business without incurring new debt, such as partner up with an established business. Believe it or not, they love working with small because that's manpower that they don't pay a W-2 on, which means no taxes. So it's another entrepreneur. They're giving you a 1099 versus a W-2. That saves them money. It's a win-win situation. And as long as you have a value add that to that business, they are very well. Now, that's where the investment comes into play. You don't have to incur new debt that you can't afford, and you still get to accomplish a bigger brand as well as start to begin to scale. And then once you get to a level that you're like, wow, I have grown 10, 20, 30%. Now I can start to veer off, which is what multi-million dollar businesses do. That's why you see mergers, acquisitions, buyout stuff. You see all these movements going on, these moving parts. We don't move those parts because we are selfish and we want to own it ourselves. We want to do it ourselves. And sometimes it takes a big man to help us push that needle a lot faster and not incur additional debt. I feel like I'm in the hot seat today. Right. Right. That's really like valuable. I, I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, well, I don't want nobody. Else. I don't need no more partners and all this other type of stuff going on in my business. But no, I, I, I definitely get where you're coming from because uh, when it when it comes to the whole debt servicing and this type of stuff, do I really want to take on? Because when you start talking about $100,000 in a loan for a business, you ain't talking about getting no $200 a month payment. You're talking about a couple thousand dollars that you might end up having to pay back. That's right. So that's a lot of money that's on top right. of now I got to hire these folks. Now I have a whole new set of liabilities and this type of thing. And you're not experienced and ready to do so because it takes experience and trial and error. So now you're doing trial and error at the cost of your dime versus get the mentorship through a, a company that's already established 
publish and is willing to share that with you because, again, they're invested with you. They're paying you out, and they want to see a win-win partnership. So your job is to prove that you have a value add, and they will. the rest will actually iron itself out, believe it or not. So wow. that's where you spend your time and focus. We're wow. dropping some big nuggets right. today. That's what like, I'm talking I about. I should have brought my notebook. <laughs> 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 now, now. Uh, Devaris, what what are some of the type of things that you advise businesses on when it comes to trying to grow your business and trying to scale? Oh, man, um, I would say I really focus on eliminating redundancy, um, work that is, uh, you, you know, paying for work that's not necessary, okay. and also implementing automation. So a lot of people don't really realize that, um, like she said, with the partnerships, you can hire a software company. Uh, get us new CRM or some kind of email automation system. Uh, every one robot, you know, one system that you use is like adding six people to your workforce. Wow. And it might be $60 a month. So you're like, I don't want to pay for that app, but that app was going to be six people for you. So wow. you want to okay. you want to find a way to scale, um, you know, get, get your uh, streamline your process and set in automations when necessary. Now, that, that is one big thing that I have been doing because I have found, like, a lot of stuff that I have actually hired people to do that these are the type of things that computers can do at this point. Like, especially a lot of the email stuff, a lot of the social media stuff. And honestly, I'm, I'm working on trying to build an AI. I'm trying to get my own Friday or, mm. or my own Jarvis so we can work it that way. Uh, Ms. Zan, tell me some of the things that, uh, that you have been doing in your business to try to help scale your business and, and grow your business. So for starters, just um, hiring-wise, I've been trying okay. to interview a lot of people. I found it easier right now to just stick to VAs, virtual assistants. And I've been looking at out of the country, like the Philippines. I've worked with Indian companies before. So just trial and error for the most part. Now, how do you how do you see the outsourcing thing? Because I've tried to outsource it, and the biggest problem I've had with outsourcing, to be honest with you, is the, is the lack of... Uh, I, I don't want to say forceability or accountability, but a lot of times if you end up with issues with somebody in the Philippines or India where we mostly outsource our stuff to, right. there's really no no nothing that you can do about it. It's just, well, I'm out of my money. So have you kind of gone through some of those issues or anything like that? Yeah, I actually have, especially with working with Indian companies. That's why I'm kind of trying to transfer it to like more so the Philippines because I find that the verbiage, especially when it comes to content writing, mm-hmm. it sounds like an Indian is talking. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, <laughs> that's just not going to work. That's not going to work for the audience that I'm targeting. And so, yeah, that's that's a couple of issues I ran into. But I, the way I look at it is if, if I'm hiring someone in the States, you know, and it's going to be a lot more expensive, we're going to have to pay them as well. It's not like oh, yeah. we can be like, hey, you didn't do a good job. I want my money back. We can fire them, but we're still going to be out of the same money. Oh, yeah. Just like the Philippines or India, but it's much cheaper. I guess. So it's just some trial and error. Like, I guess. All right. Keeping my fingers crossed, man. Keeping my fingers crossed. I'm trying to give my audience <laughs> some advice, but I'm getting some for myself today. So, <laughs> <laughs> Now, switching gears uh, a little bit, talking about personal finance. Now, you said you started investing in the stock market, right? Mm-hmm. Now, how's that going for you? It's going pretty good. Um, it's definitely a long-form investment, so okay. I'm definitely not expecting any immediate returns. So I'm just trying to get that to a place where further along the line, when I'm about 45, 50, they, I guess. you know, I can really be living large and taking charge. So. Now, did you get some of that Tesla? I don't know if, it, if y'all no. know Tesla, Tesla is hot right now. Yes, but Oh, be my careful. goodness. Amazon, too, I mean, but... 
It's no, now, no. what's your what's your favorite app to invest through? Do you invest through the uh, Cash App, or you do the more traditional stuff? Are you using Robinhood? I do the more traditional E Trade, but okay. I want to get more into the Cash App and the Robinhood because I heard they were, they were more user friendly. But I've been using E Trade for so long to where that's just my thing. Like it works for me. I got you. Yeah. Now, what what would you uh, tell people that want to get into investing and, and working in the stock market and this type of stuff? And then, hold on, we're going to have to circle back to why y'all say Tesla bad investment because I'm making a lot of money on Tesla I did right not now. say it was I bad investment. I okay. said timing is everything. So you got to remember, it's at a strong peak right now. So you may have gotten in at a good point. However, mm-hmm. someone like me who doesn't invest in Tesla can't say, hey, Kevin's investing in Tesla. Let me jump on Today, it at $1,500 right? a share. $1,600. Uh, okay, oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and now it that sixteen hundred becomes fifteen hundred, fourteen hundred, and you are sitting pretty because you got in at a good time. So timing with investments, timing is everything. Timing, timing, timing is everything. As far as the direction and where to go in investing, I can't say I'm a, a familiar with the cash apps. I hear a lot about them. Um, I'm more the traditional investor, and okay. and so I would definitely say. Mindful mindfulness has to be applied to fees. That's the biggest thing. Know your fees. Know the fees you're paying when you make a decision on what broker to go to and what type of investment. When you are a day trader or what have you, for those who are day traders, you have to be cognizant of the fees and the things that you're doing. If you're doing long-term investing, then you definitely would still want to be sure of the fees and commissions you're paying. If you're doing long-term I definitely am an advocate for mutual funds. I say no load mutual funds. No load means they don't charge management fees to manage your, your they just charge you this normal commission, but you don't pay heavy management fees to manage your account. So they're called okay. no load fees. Vanguard and Fidelity are just fabulous when it comes to those type of, they, Vanguard actually started the no load uh, mutual funds process. Fidelity came right suit. So those two are my favorite, but there are others. Charles Swaps have them. All your other brokers, you can look into them. But definitely go the mutual fund route if you're inexperienced with what to do, where to go, where to put your money, how to put your money, because you don't know. So if you don't know, then you find a safety net mutual fund that you're still in a in a good place, making 11 to 13 percent uh, annual return on your, your investment and not having to feel like you have to move things around a lot. And if you're not, if you are not experienced <laughs> trading, do not take the day trading route. Oh yes. Lord knows. <laughs> I lost some money like that. So, so what are you telling your, uh, the, your, your families, uh, Javar? Um, well, t- uh, two things, uh, I want to quote just a small Bible scripture is Ecclesiastes 11 and one. It says, cast thy bread on many waters, seven okay. or eight ways, because you don't know what the day might bring. Right. Okay. So, uh, we want to have a little bit of all of them. Um, two things that I tell, um, um, all of my families, particularly one, especially a husband, wife, you know, uh, you got children, especially you have children legacy, uh, rich man Roth, um, you know, go get you a cash value life insurance policy that that if you don't know anything about trading, okay. you can go and uh, if you die, you got some money, you can borrow against it if you need to, if you need some money. Um, and you also can get that money back and it gains a little bit over time. So that's okay. a very simple one. If you know nothing about trading, uh, don't go to your normal life insurance salesman. For it. <laughs> get you a registered investment advisor for that. Um, and second, land. Um, real heavy on some of those black assets, land acquisition. Um, believe it or not, a, a walnut grove is a retirement plan. I'm, wow. I'm just being honest with you. You put enough acres of black walnuts down. Uh, when you're ready to retire, you can literally cut those trees off and retire fat. You know, so it, it wow. just, you know, because um, land, we also can get into live stock. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> you, you know, you, you know uh, lamb out in the field turning into more lamb. Wow. Yeah. All right. Now, tell me this, uh, my financial people. 
how is it these platforms can uh, allow you to invest in this type of stuff? Your Robin Hoods and your Cash Apps, and you can do this stuff without fees. And whereas TD Ameritrade, if I trade it, if I buy it, I got to pay $6. If I sell it, I got to pay $6. So is that just absorbent fees that they're using for profits, or is it really some type of transactional fees that have to be paid? Because you got so many different uh, apps now that you can trade for free. How does that work? Well, they're making money, including the free apps that they say free. Okay. Um, we don't read the fine print. They're in business to make money. That's that's what they do. And so you just want to read the fine print and see what fees are being applied to you because what you don't want to do is think you have a profit of, let's say, 13%, and by the time you minus out all the fees, you're really bringing home 8 to 7% when if okay. I go to this brokerage, I can actually earn 11%. And believe it or not, that 1%, 2% can cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over a 10, 5, 5 10, 15-year period. So much like Zan is doing, when she's in it for the long haul, when she looks at her portfolio 10 to 15 years later, she can see a significant, a, a life-changing, significant financial difference in her portfolio if she had went with, let's say, option A that was that appeared to be free, but she really was earning 7 to 8% versus if I went this no-low route or another route that just had lower fees of that extra, let's say, 8 or 9%. She can definitely have a wild moment. Definitely wow. have a wild mm -hmm. moment. So you have to pay attention to those fees. And if you don't understand it, ask the broker where are your fees. Show me your your fee you know your fee sheet or your fee schedule so I can understand. And you just simply look at break it down. They have to break it down because they have to disclose it. But what they do is they disclose it so fine we overlook it. We're just happy to have an account. <laughs> <laughs> now what do you say? Um, I would say that's one of the particular reasons why I stick with land and hard assets because. Uh, uh, honestly, stock, debit card, credit card, they're all imaginary things okay. uh, until you realize them. And um, like you said, in, in, in stock, if you, until you realize the income from the stock, it's imaginary gains until you okay. bring it in. So um, with that being said, people are trying to make money. If you got land, your land's not going to be charging you money to be bringing you okay. in the income. Your animals are not going to, you know, you got to feed them, but they, they produce at a higher rate. I, I try to keep things real simple because, like you said, all that fine print, money over time, interest rates, amortization, they throw <laughs> all, the, you know, they're cryptographers, man. Bankers are cryptographers. They're coding everything they're saying to you. So uh, I say keep it real simple and make sure you have some, uh, make sure you have some business ownership as well as investment. Have some, have full ownership in what you're dealing with because of, there's a large landscape of different fees that you're going to be looking at. So in, at, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you're winning more than you're losing. Real estate or, or, or stock investment, which one? Real estate, land, not just real estate. I'm say land. They, they keep <laughs> land. the houses. Give me land. Real estate or stock investment. That's a good one. Um, again, it just depends. Okay. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not going to give you just a flat out answer. <laughs> <laughs> and it really depends because stock ownership. Take Tesla. If you got in pretty early, uh, that is going yeah. to trump my my real estate investment. That might not be, be a good time. I got in timing. about six hundred dollars. I am so happy no, right I'm now. I'm so happy right now. So you definitely have to just, you have to do your homework. And the main thing I always just like to stress is you work hard for your money. Okay. Why not take the time to make sure that your money's working hard for you? To take that extra, you busting your chops, you sacrificing your tire, you come home, you barely have time for your family, barely have time to do things. You're working nine, ten, eight hours. You're out in the street more than you are at home trying to make that money. I don't understand why we don't take the extra time 
to research to make sure that now that that we, we wow, I finally saved up a thousand dollars to do something with it. But then we don't put the extra time to make sure that the thousand dollars can become two. Mm-hmm. I, that's the part we struggle with. We don't take the time. And the first thing we say is, well, I don't I don't talk numbers and I don't understand numbers and I don't understand. Google is your friend. If you don't know it, find somebody. There are people out there willing to help. Look, this is a free platform right here. Yeah. A plethora of information. So take the time to figure out how does my money best capitalize for me in whatever vehicle I'm looking into. And that's the million-dollar piece that we fail to do. Now, now, why does it feel like we're so far behind the curve when it comes to financial literacy? Why is this not something that more of us are, are working with our kids and, and more of us are, are, are talking about at home? Like, we're talking about, look, this is what a checkbook looks like. This is what you need to be doing with your income. This is how much you need to be putting back. Because, like, even now... I, I realized coming up, I didn't get a, a, a good financial education. I made some mistakes, all right, in the beginning. <laughs> but I'm doing good now. But one of the biggest things that I, I, I deal with my children is you're going to give me, all right, if your allowance is $20, you're going to take at least 10 of it. We're going to put it in something that's going to start growing and maturing for you. Why is that not a conversation more of us are having? Uh, I would say um, that, you know, it's a learned habit at home, first of all. So it's something a, a, a father and a mother should do for their children. Okay. Um, so my people perish for the lack of knowledge. Okay. So I would say not being able, um, you can say, hey, son, do good with your finances and save. But it's different when daddy has a savings account. It's okay. different when dad is actually showing you uh, the steps or going through the process. And I would say uh, parents are leaving their children out of the tough conversations. I have a four-year-old daughter, and she's like, uh, Dad, Dad, uh, when when I get a husband, I'm going to help him make some money. Okay. You know, she's already <laughs> in her mind, so she knows the process. So I try to actually let, you know, when we're taking our EA courses and stuff like that, I've got them right there letting them see the process instead of hiding and just acting like, oh, this is some adult stuff. No, they have to do that one day. So okay. I would say parents get more involved. Wow. Now, is that is that something? I know coming up where I, where I come from, all right, coming up, there were grown folk business. You don't need to know nothing about right. the bills and all this sure. type of stuff. Is that something that has changed now? Is that something that you're teaching more so your kids, look, this is what the bills look like. This is uh, how you need to pay them on time. This is what a checking account, you know, are you going through those steps with your kids? Absolutely. And uh, he hit the nail on the head. Um, definitely. It's funny you say that because my daughter, um, she has, she trades. And um, but how did she? I asked her. I actually did a podcast, so tune in. Where <laughs> I actually um, t- interviewed her, asking her because I was I was dumb, dumbfounded to know that she was really interested in this. But the first thing she said to me when I asked her why and how did you become interested in this, she said you. She said wow. you. I watched you. And so we have to remember our children watch us. We they watch the things we do. So when we go back and say why aren't our kids not or our children not doing certain things, it's because they don't know to do these things. We practice what we preach and we have to preach what we practice. Okay. So our kids are going to follow suit with what they see. You become a product of your surroundings. And if our surroundings are not doing certain things, whether if it's in the house and if I'm if I am not knowledgeable of how to do certain things, then I need to make it my business to put my child in front of people that do. Okay. Wow. Now was you giving this financial education or is this something that you started to learn as an adult? Because I know you investing, you doing your thing, you're buying real estate, you're, you're balling. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely something that I learned as an adult. And I'm going to even say as far as when I moved to Atlanta, because I'm from Alabama, so it's a very small town. And 
I didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs or fi- that had financial literacy like most people. So all of mine was more so self-education and who I surround myself with. Okay. So I don't have any kids yet, but I'm now putting in place so when I do have them, I'm surrounding myself and I'm learning and I'm indulging as much financial literacy I can so that when I when they do come, when I do have them, I'll be able to, you know, show them everything I learned so they won't go through some of the things that I had to encounter, you know. Yeah. Wow. Now, becoming more and more of a problem is predatory lending. And I, I definitely wanted to hit on that today because of, uh, I think it was, what's the guy's name? The, the big uh, economic guy, uh, Clark Howard. He was talking about the new rules in uh, payday loans. So now it used to be in a payday loan, you only, you, uh, I think it used to be to where they could loan you the money, but all of it had to be paid back by a certain payday. Or by that actual payday, all of it had to be paid back by then. Now they're able to make more and more payments on this. But I think the biggest part that people are not understanding is when you're taking out these payday loans, you can be paying almost 400 to 600%. Uh, what, what do you say about these, these predatory lending people? Well, first, if you look at who's applying for these loans, that right there will tell you there's a big problem because the people applying for these loans typically do not have good credit to go and get proper lending from better financial institutions. So that's the first thing. So there needs to be, again, some some understanding of what are my other options and not move in haste and in desperate measures because all you do is d- dig a deeper hole for yourself by jumping to whatever you think you can get. If somebody says, hey, okay, I can give you this payday loan and you pay – 38% and, and, again, not reading fees, not paying attention to the fine print, or in these cases, some of them are just bold and big printed with it because you're desperate. All they say is, you go, we'll approve you. No credit, no this, no that. Yeah. We'll approve you. And and they think that it works for them when, in fact, they haven't looked at how much is this cost of debt is going to cost me, how long, how long is it going to take me to actually pay this back. They don't look at any of this. They just know... I can get this fast cash right now, and then they further they become further in debt because they did not understand the cost. They did not understand the terms. They did not understand the need. They didn't understand anything other than I can get some fast cash now. I know people going out getting these PPP loans, and they don't even really have a business that they need the PPP loan for. Wow. And that's just, it's, again, if I have the opportunity to get somebody to say, yes, I can get some money, that's what they're doing. That's Lord, what they're doing. Lack of education. That's what they're doing. Now, now, what do you tell folks when it comes to, like, the payday loans and, and the title loans and that type of well, stuff? Well, you really can't follow up too hard behind that. She hit it. She, she <laughs> took it all I mean, honestly, that that's a lack of education. That is uh, uh, poverty at its finest, what, it, what okay. it's designed to do. Um, you know, then when you don't have the knowledge of uh, the people around you to tell you, hey, add up the cost. You know, uh, most people don't even know amortization calculator. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm new, I knew you knew, but, you know, just how much is it going to cost me over the over the time period and, and how much is going towards interest? That's not the thought of a person in poverty. So um, that's why, um, you know, fixing people's credit over the years. I knew that when someone came back to me to fix their credit again, there was a problem with budgeting. Okay. There was a problem with understanding cash flow. So um, anyone that's looking for payday loans, stop, pause, save what you do earn. Okay. Okay. And in, in, in you can invest it or you can create a business with it. And if you're going to start a business, the first thing you need to do, uh, even if you want a payday loan or anything, um, you want to get mentors, y'all. Go get you some good advisors. You okay. know what I mean? And don't ask somebody that got bad credit. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Ask, ask somebody that has that that has a, a tree bearing fruit. 
I got you. You know what I mean? That's that's been in that space because uh, you know it, it's just so it's so much going on out here. I mean, you know, I fall back from that man. Just, <laughs> actually, get a good advisor. <laughs> now, now you big on farming and and teaching families about legacy through farming and that type of stuff, right? right. Yeah. Why is that? Why why farms? Because it's a million different things we can invest in. Why farms? Well, great question. Um, um, this is a book that I was reading, tragedy, tragedy and hope. Uh, it's a uh, world history, okay. uh, and it talks about that at one point the, before the agricultural revolution, it used to take twenty one people to feed twenty people. Wow. Excuse me. Excuse me. It used to take twenty feet people to feed twenty one people. Okay? okay. When the agricultural revolution happened. It only took about six people to feed 21 people, hence creating all the other jobs that we have outside of agriculture. So the base of any great economy, period, anywhere on the planet is agriculture. And then I'm going to use my Lord and Savior's quote, uh, feed your enemies to cast uh, coals on their heads. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, now it's it's counterproductive, though, in this day and age, because we keep telling our kids, look, go to school, learn how to develop apps, learn how to program and do this type of thing. So are you are you are are you? Uh, telling people agriculture is still that field that they want to go into? or uh, Absolutely, because if you think about it, this country was founded off the backs of slaves that did what? Agriculture. That's true. Now, if you can take your butt out there with some with some loans <laughs> and, and pick the cotton and the collard greens and the pinto beans for your own last name, okay, you might win. I'm just saying, you know, food is going up. Everybody, I don't care, rich or poor, uh, you go, what we eat tonight? You eat something <laughs> tonight? I think we all finna go have something to eat. I brought you a food box from our, from our farm. So I appreciate you, it, man. I'm, I'm going to dig in, too. <laughs> Especially healthy food. That's yeah, right. healthy no, food. That's, right. that's up 200%. That's right. So you're talking about investments. Uh, Bill O'Leary said it. If you want to uh, survive an economic collapse, he okay. says have majority ownership in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a very important industry. Local right. farming Regardless of how much what money's worth and how much it's lending, or it's, it's it is recession proof in itself. Uh, I got food, so I ain't got much money, but we can get something to eat, y'all. When you say like more so agriculture, you saying like literally growing your own farm and just like having cattle and the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, Did he say he from Alabama? Yeah, <laughs> Alabama too. Yeah, we're from the same spot. I'm from I'm from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, but I, we have farms here, and um, cool. I mean, you know, like it took a month to process a cow just recently. Right when the food stores were empty, okay, the food was the shelves were missing. I had 600 pounds of beef that I'm looking at, and I'm like, wow, oh poor y'all, everybody. So I'm I'm talking about security, real stuff that, uh, um, you know, when you're dead and gone, your children see, you could become a doctor. Your okay. child can't pass down that degree. Okay. Okay. You can uh, you can start a great business, but your child can run that business into the ground. Same thing with a farm. You have to teach your children to prop them up into something that's sustainable. And as far as there's a bunch of different careers and everything that you can have, but farming, that's not going anywhere. That's that's biblical, biblical proportions. Wow. Now, what are, what are some of the industries that you see that are, that come out of COVID looking good? Well, definitely technology. Um, technology has been booming since the early 2000s, you know, and, and, and it'll continue. I mean, we're going moving into the Jetsons era. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals, we, you, you go into have medical, 
whether we agree with it or disagree with it, you're always going to have a need for medical. So technology and medical are two areas that I say no matter what state the economy is in or will always have some level of positivity. Of course, things go up, things come down. But over the long haul, I think you can definitely see continued growth in those areas. And that's where, I mean, jobs are changing. If you notice, you don't see a lot of people going in to be, you know, court stenographers or whatever the, you know, the jobs were in the early 2000s, 2010s era. You're starting to see more um, social media, marketing, branding. You're finding more technology-driven jobs. The jobs are changing. It's a a huge shift. And, And because it's a huge shift that actually breaks the the um, the experience level where uh, education is changing because now we have to teach this. So what we were learning when you and I were probably in college is uh, is, is becoming different than what my my children's generations are, are going to be learning. So wow. things are changing, and I say you know that recession proof that you were talking about is definitely you have to understand. Well, where's where's the recession proof industries? And I think technology and and uh, and uh, pharmaceuticals, medical will be there lifelong. I mean, department stores, retails, they're they're all moving online. Now now what do you tell these these young kids they they got these, you know, bright starry eyes and this type of stuff and they come and they got these super huge ideas, these big dreams with no money to accomplish that type of stuff. What do you what do you tell them? Because like a lot of this type of stuff, I've heard kids come to me with great ideas, but it's gonna take a lot of money to get that out there. You probably gonna have to lose money for a few years before you actually see profit. And we see a lot of other companies that's able to do that. Facebook came out and lost just tons of money in the beginning. Uh, Twitter, a lot of these other technology companies, but unfortunately, we don't have that type of access. So, what do you tell younger folks that? Well, first, you have to study, 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 study in the, in the industry. You have to know the ins and out of what you're doing. So, when Facebook, when Zuckerberg started Facebook, trust and believe there was a lot of time invested. That's why he dropped out of college because he spent his time, his his life line building this company. So he knew all there was, and this is something he did before even so before social media was a, a, a platform. Mm, yeah. So he studied this, and he. And, and there's, there's this audaciousness that has to take place in whatever it is you're passionate about. And as long as you continue to fill that audaciousness with passion, purpose, and, and commitment, that's up to you where it goes. And as far as where do you go with no money, again, partner up. Get mentors, as you mentioned. I mean, there are so many opportunities, but it takes time. It takes time. Facebook t- took a long time before it actually hit mm. the running way. So don't look for overnight success. There's really, it, it, I don't want to say there's no such thing, but it's very, very, very rare. You have to put that time invested. You have to bleed. You're going to bleed. You're going to stress out, and you're almost going to want to quit. That's how it will get. But if you stay committed to it, you can see where it can take you. I'm going to be honest with you. Even once you become successful, you still going to have some days you want to quit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but now you got different like... reasons why you want to quit. The Absolutely. reasons change. <laughs> can I add to that? Go ahead. Um, go ahead. So like, like she was saying with technology. Um, I, you know, I was looking at technology and, it, you know, when you look at the definition of the word, it's, it's actually technique. So like she was saying, study. Get a technique on wow. something. Okay. You know, even if uh, if it's a trade, you know what I mean? Um, you got a great idea. You don't want to go get in student loan debt. Go get a trade, you know. Wow. Um, start, uh, become a carpenter. Become a plumber. Earn money. Save money. Create business. Okay. So there's, there's other steps. I say... Uh, you don't have to take that to the young person that doesn't have the money. You don't have to take the traditional path to, to success. Um, it may take a little bit more hard work, some studying. All of us are mostly uh, first-generation entrepreneurs or second-generation max. 
Um, I went to a chiropractor a little while ago and asked the guy, how long you been a chiropractor? And he smiled. He said, <laughs> um, about 10 years, but my grandfather was a chiropractor. I said, whoa, yeah, you've been a chiropractor for a long time. So, um, you know, to the young ones, understand that you start from scratch. Um, if you want some context clues or something that might jump off very fast for you, look into your past. Go okay. look and see what your mother and your I mean, your father and your mother were doing, and that'll give you a better understanding of how you know what you really are, and you, maybe you can accentuate that. Wow. Now, uh, quick question: uh, <laughs> Is college still a good investment? You still think college is a good investment? No. Well, first of all, let me ask you this: Are you? <laughs> Are you doing what you went to school for? Because I'm not. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> what I went to school for, it's kind of broad, which was psychology. So I feel like that's every day. You do psychology every okay. day, unbeknownst, because dealing with people. You need that around Atlanta. You need it. <laughs> you need it with Lord family. You, look, you need it with family. Uh, you need it around Atlanta with your family, with your friends. Your I mean, yeah. men, like, mental illness and the mind is really crazy. So as far as me, and I don't really feel like there's anything wrong with continued education. Okay. Do you need it to be successful? No, I don't feel like that. But if you, like I said, you want to further your education, then, yeah, definitely go for it. Because I did learn a lot of stuff in college as far as, like, you know, literacy, speaking, writing skills, just how to. And I went to a um, a PWI college. So I really got the chance to, like, you know, connect with people of different races and just learn how to communicate with them. Because I know a lot of people in our community, especially where I came from, too. I'm from Alabama. So, they don't really know how to, you know, they don't feel comfortable communicating with other races. And I, a lot of my peers say I know that. what you mean. Like, you know, <laughs> so I'm like, I was able to go to college around them. So even to this day, like, I'm not intimidated by them. I feel like, you know, I treat them just as well, like, you know, everybody else. No, I, I had the same stigma when I first came to Atlanta. <laughs> it was, it was uh, a lot of what you learn in Alabama, I don't know. And you had to be from Alabama to understand this one. Right. But <laughs> it, it's, Alabama is one of those type people. One of those type states. Yes, we integrated in all this type of stuff. Yeah, we free, but it's still very segregated. Mm -hmm. So, and, and it's by choice. So, so you don't get a lot of inter intermingling like you do up here in Atlanta. Like here, I got friends of all races, all backgrounds, all type of creeds. And in Alabama, I had black friends. That was it. <laughs> but that that is typical. So I, I do get where you're going there. And and to take that back, I did take some stuff from college. I did learn how to write. I learned how to do my Excel, my all that good stuff. <laughs> Uh, so I did learn some stuff, but I'm not doing exactly what I went to school for because I went to school for business management. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to run somebody else's job. I wanted to own my own. Mm -hmm. And when I started owning my own business, it's completely different than business management. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I but what? Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, I go ahead. Say, I definitely, I don't know, like, I never went back to grad school and all of that. Okay. Because I was like, no, nah, I'm done. I'm not about to get no more. I paid y'all like enough nothing money. Else. I'm like, nah, I, got, I think I can handle it from here, you right. know? I know. I owe Kia about 12000 more dollars. Oh, Thank Lord. you, Jesus. <laughs> this man is <laughs> No, uh, would you say, uh, is it still a good investment? Is it is it still worth the debt? I say education definitely is an investment, period. Okay. Um, now, whether you decide to get acquire that education through college, that's a choice that has to be made. But either way, you sh you to grow, to excel to the levels that you want to grow and excel in, mm. you will pay for education, mm. period. Mm. And if you feel wow. to if you feel you're just going to try to find it for free, I promise you, you find yourself stuck in the growth of whatever it is you're trying to pursue. So you have to pay for that education because it's it's quality. You pay for you get what you pay for. Now there's a lot of free information out there, but you're not you. You don't know how to cipher good from bad information, and it's all commingled when you go into the free space. 
So you definitely have to make sure that you're trying to invest your your monies into a quality education. If college is what it is for you, then so be it. And there are a lot of things you did get out of college that you didn't probably realize, like the basics of accounting. You have to know the base. Every CEO needs to know the basics of their books, period. You can hire a CPA. You can hire financial experts. Mm-hmm. You can hire financial advisors. You can do all of that. And 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 Kevin, you know how I am. The first <laughs> thing I'm going to tell you, you need to understand your base because how in the world can you make a financial decision and you don't even understand the basics of your financials? Wow. So you definitely, those are the things you learn no matter what degree you apply for, whether it's psychology, n- nursing, medical, Whatever it is, I promise you, you took accounting 101, you took marketing 101, you took all of those essentials because no matter what lane you take, those are the basics. I tell my children, no matter what field you're in, you're a businessman or woman first. Wow. Still a good investment or not? Um, education, keyword education, great investment. Like she said, uh, you're going to have to pay for some education. That's why we have the LegacyThinkTank.com. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we teach small business owners <laughs> how to start their business the proper way without messing up. But, uh, there you go. Uh, college itself, um, I would say there are three major uh, degrees that you should heavily consider. Doctors, uh, accountants. Uh, and uh, business, you know, attorneys. These are the ones that I know have a very good ROI on them. Okay. There may be some degrees that don't have a really good ROI on them, um, but definitely those three. Um, I would say it is a bad decision. Okay. To go into college and not know what's the end goal. So just like any other investment, if I'm going to take out this debt, what is the what is the return on that particular education? So, you know, okay. going to school for an art degree. I, I mean, I like art, but, you know, you probably can practice that at home and go, <laughs> and go get you another trade or something. Just, I got you. you know, well, uh, it's, it's getting close to the end of the show. I know he's going to be coming here in a second telling us to wrap up. So, uh, Ms. Zan, I'm going to give you the first uh, final wrap. Give me your final thoughts from the day and uh, let everybody know how they can connect with you on social or connect with your business for your services, even though me and you kind of compete with each other, but I ain't going to say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> never, Kevin, never. <laughs> so you guys could follow me on um, all social media channels, LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook as WM Creative Group. My lesson for today was just, I mean, this was a phenomenal experience. Even if I wasn't on the show, I would have definitely tuned in because the valuable knowledge, it was priceless. I'm definitely, you know, reevaluating myself right now. Like, how can <laughs> I get connected with these two guys? So, yeah, again, you guys, um, it's WM Creative Group on all social channels. And I look forward to you guys following me and, you know, getting to know me a little better. All right, Miss Stan Kemp. Okay, you can follow me on, again, all social media channels as well as I am Stan Kemp, so IG, Facebook. Um, I also have the podcast, the Let's Get It podcast. You can check that out on YouTube and all of your uh, podcast stations, as well as I have some workshops coming up where we will be covering a lot of the topics discussed today. So that will be coming up in August. So follow me on those media platforms to find out the dates and the way to register. And you got a very interesting story, so we're going to have to have you back and, and, and tell your whole story. Uh, oh. Mr. Javaris Banks. Uh, well, you can find me on Instagram, my financial ID, not financial aid, my financial ID. Um, you can uh, you can go to our website, thelegacythinktank.com, and uh, get get registered for our August course, guys. We you know we teach people online, so oh, yeah. um, um, you know so follow us on Instagram, Facebook. You can find us uh, financial ID legacy uh, Facebook group, and you know pretty easy to find, guys. Send us a DM. All right. 
All right. Well, it has been another great installment of the number one rated business show right here on The Real 1100 AM. I'm your host, Kevin C. Pride, And as always, you can catch me at Pride on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere else y'all want to look me up. Just look for Kevin C. Pride. Thank y'all so much for joining us today. And we are out. <laughs>